If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we'll be catching back up with a previous guest, specifically Wayne Skipper, who joined us in episode 54 to talk about digital badges and the open badging movement. We'll be sure to link to that episode in the show notes, or you can get to it directly by going to leadinglearning.com slash episode 54. Before we talk with Wayne, we want to highlight a free resource you may find valuable if you're interested in digital badging and other forms of micro-credentialing, and that is Exploring the Fringe, Flipping Micro-Credentials and MOOCs. This is a free white paper in which we discuss these formats, the flipped classroom, micro-credentials, and massive open online courses, and then look at when each might make sense for an organization to pursue and the factors to consider before jumping on these trendy bandwagons. You can get the download link by visiting the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 107. So, Salisa, this was your second time talking with Wayne Skipper, and I know this time around you focus less on open badges and more on a related initiative. Can you give us a preview? Yes. Wayne and I talked about a variety of things, but focused mostly on open pathways. Now, I think probably most of our listeners are at least familiar with open badges and get that concept. Well, open pathways work with open badges, but they really make open badges that much more meaningful because they describe the interrelationship among badges. And Wayne sees open pathways as a game changer, and I'll I'll say that I agree. I think they have that potential because they have the ability to help eliminate organizational silos. You know, when we have digital badges from uh, uh, not just a single organization that can be stacked to add up to something, but when we have badges from multiple organizations that can be combined to uh, indicate a higher achievement, then we're truly at the point of delivering on the promise of open education. And I think, too, that there's the possibility of open pathways for providing a technical backbone or or blueprint for partnerships among different entities working towards the same goal. So when we have an association and an academic institution and employers all providing learning that helps people attain a specific outcome, open pathways can describe that collaboration and make it clear and navigable to learners. And open pathways have other benefits and applications, and, and Wayne and I discussed some of those in the interview as well. Well, I know the last episode with Wayne has been one of our more shared episodes. Uh, People are obviously interested in open badges and micro-credentialing, and I'm sure going to be eager to find out about what open pathways can add to that picture. So let's go ahead and roll this interview with Wayne Skipper. Hello, I'm Salisa Steele, and welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Wayne Skipper. Wayne is the founder and CEO of Concentric Sky, which is an engineering company that has done work with a lot of fantastic companies, been very involved in edtech for a long time. Uh, he's a key player behind the, the open source project Badger, and he's been a very active proponent of open badges and more recently open pathways. And so that's uh, just a little bit, but I'm hoping Wayne will tell us a little bit more about his background and interests and, and experience. So Wayne, thanks for making time for the Leading Learning Podcast. 
My pleasure, Salisa. Thanks for having me on. And so, yeah, why don't you just kick things off by telling us a little bit more? Because, again, I just gave very high-level uh, you know, uh, bullet points about what all you're involved in, and it's really interesting stuff. So I, I know folks would like to hear more about that background you're bringing to today's conversation. Absolutely. So Concentric Sky is a 12-year-old engineering company that I founded in uh, 2005. We have about 70 people. And our focus has always been on attracting and retaining the top quality talent, and we use that to solve a number of problems for some of the most prominent organizations in the world. So we are the lead mobile developer for the World Bank, lead mobile developer for the United Nations. We build apps for National Geographic, Encyclopedia Britannica. We have partnerships with edX, LRNG, Intel, California Community Colleges. We've done work with Khan Academy. We're pretty broad in our experience in ed tech, everything from award-winning UI, UX, to analytic systems that handle up to a trillion records a day. So the tippy-tippy top of big data and machine learning. And it's this domain knowledge that we have from so long in ed tech that really enables us to do the sorts of work that we do in the open source and open standards community. And it was this experience that led to the MacArthur Foundation approaching us in 2015 and asking us to take over stewardship of the Badge Alliance, which is really what launched our uh, work with Open Badges. Well, great. Very exciting stuff. And like you said, just real uh, breadth and depth of, uh, of work around ed tech for uh, a number of years now. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you is because um, you guys now have, um, th- there's this idea of open pathways that's out there. And so I'm thinking we should just start right there and then have you tell folks what are open pathways. Sure, sure. I think it's helpful to understand a little bit first, you know, what is an open badge? So there's a lot of talk about digital badging. What's the difference between a digital badge and an open badge? And the easy answer is that an open badge isn't just a picture. It's actually a representative of a learning achievement. It has data baked into the image. And the idea is that image, as it traverses the Internet and what we think of as the ecosystem of digital credentials, it has everything inside of it that's needed to verify it. So you can't fake them. We know who received each individual badge, what they did to earn it, and we have any evidence that's attached to it readily accessible so that those badges can be validated in real time. It's a way of representing learning achievements, both formal and informal, and really putting them into the same landscape so that we can describe learning more broadly. It's a technology that has received a tremendous amount of adoption over the last few years, and we really see it changing the way that people think about recognizing learning across the map. And so open badges are useful in and of themselves, but you run into an issue with what what do you do with the badge once you have it? So you can share it to LinkedIn, for example, but LinkedIn has really atrocious support for open badges. There's no ability to automatically post a certification to a profile anymore. The best you can do is copy and paste some fields over, and once you do that, it's no longer digitally verifiable. Mm. You know, it's really not designed to support the vision of open badges and the notion of portable uh, credentials. And, you know, I would ask, is it really in the interest of the learner or of of the ecosystem to put all of the credentials into LinkedIn's basket and just say, okay, there you go, go get a job? I would say that is insufficient and that we can do better. And aside from that, though, what really can you do with a badge? You know, you can share it on Facebook. Brands are really interested in if people are looking at the credentials or sharing the credentials on social media. And there's some value potentially in that information. 
but there's a lot more information that we can actually make available. And to answer some of these questions, the whys and the wherefores, we proposed a new standard called Open Pathways. And so just so the historical context is understood, Concentric Sky led the development of open badges between 2015 and 2017 under the auspices of Collective Shift, which is a spin-out of MacArthur. And so we actually led the development of the open badges 2.0 spec and started, as we were building an understanding of the digital credential landscape, identified a pretty major gap which is the ability to describe credentials in terms of each other. And as we started looking at this and the implications of it, we realized that although there are some great specifications out there, there was really this gap that needed to be filled with something new. And that is why we proposed the Open Pathways standard. So what Open Pathways allows you to do is to create a learning tree, think of it as a simple hierarchy that looks like a tree, and align badges to every element of that hierarchy. So you can actually take each tree and describe it in terms of the badges that are associated with each learning element. It's a very simple uh, data model that allows us to do some really amazing things from the software side. So for example, many platforms will talk about stacking credentials. Mm. And what they mean is that they will allow you to issue uh, credential one, credential two, and credential three, each indicative of a level of mastery for credentials that you control. And that's kind of interesting if you have multiple levels of mastery that you wish to indicate, but it is really only good if you're teaching the entire curriculum. You really can't make use of anything that anybody else has done. So what Open Pathways allows you to do is to think of each badge as the terminal node of a pathway. So now rather than just that badge representing an individual attainment, you can actually understand the structure of every sub-competency that went into it. And so then when you think about stacking badges, you're no longer thinking about you know, level one, two, and three. You're thinking about pathway one, two, and three, where each of those pathways results in that badge. And you can start to see that badges can then be taken into different levels. You can think of them as elements of a pathway, or you can think of the badge as a pathway that can be expanded. And so when we talk about stacking, we're not just talking about a single issuer issuing three versions of the same badge. We're talking about mixing and matching badges from all issuers and all platforms into pathways, which themselves can stack. So back to the stacking example, a platform might allow you to issue your three badges, but that's about it. If you wanted to make use of a badge for level one that was issued by another party, that's not possible. But with Open Pathways, it is. You can actually mix a badger badge with a desire to learn badge, with a badge from Moodle. There's over a thousand different systems in the world now that will issue an open badge for you. And any of those badges can be sequenced on an open pathway. So that means that if I wanted to issue a cybersecurity credential, for example, but I didn't want to teach internet fundamentals, I can rely on another party to teach that. I can vet their program and accept their badges. And then I don't have to teach the entire curriculum myself. And I can focus solely on those items that are relevant to my learners and where I have areas of expertise. So it makes stackability actually something that's really useful and allows us, because we can take these pathways and stack them together, we can actually link from context to context. So you could have, say, a pathway that results in a badge in high school, where that resulting badge has been something that is used to start another pathway in community college. And then you could have the terminal badge of that pathway, say an associate's degree, start a pathway in an employment context. 
right? You can move from that employment context into a continuing education context or into credentials that are offered, offered in a lifelong learning capacity, such as those offered by trade associations. But what you get is the ability to understand where the badges are in relation to each other. Well, it does uh, sound really exciting, and I know you've called um, Open Pathways a, a game changer in the field of, of open badges and, and digital credentials, and um, and I'm beginning to, to see it as you talk about it, because it really does, it seems like it helps deliver on this idea of open, you know, that like you're saying with the sort of traditional stacked credentials, it's really about credentials that are under one organization's umbrella, and this is about more of a, a mixing and matching, um, and not just a ad hoc mixing and matching, but, but a mixing and matching that that it follows a prescribed pathway to, to attend to a, achieve a certain goal. So it, it does sound really, really exciting. So can you talk a little bit about what um, kind of where Open Pathways is at this point? You know, is it sort of just in kind of a nascent spec form? Is, is there a traction out there among um, different organizations making use of it? Where, where are we? Yeah, great, great. So I, I think your summary was spot on. Definitely, you know, a game changer for that reason that allows you to describe these learning pathways, mixing and matching credentials in a truly open fashion. But beyond that, it also allows you to uh, align to competencies. Mm. So where we're at is we have great uh, competency frameworks being created right now. Uh, you know, IMS Global is working on the case standard. We have another standard called extended transcript, right? These are both IMS standards. And so what Open Pathways gives you that in my mind really changes the game entirely is not just this ability to stack in a meaningful open way, but to start with a pathway that's aligned to a competency Mm -hmm. framework. So you can think then of your pathway, not just as the relationship of the badges, but also how those badges relate to the competency framework. And you can use those alignments between elements of your pathway to find other badges that you might wish to accept in lieu of your own. And so it's this nexus between the competency framework, the pathway system, and the transcript system that gets really interesting. Mm. Because the pathway system can export extended transcript natively. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you can actually, we actually have software in Badger that will allow you to ingest a competency framework, build a pathway out of it through which your users can navigate and earn badges. And at the end of that, they get an extended transcript, which is standards compliant and fits into the larger ecosystem of uh, micro credentials and education. And so you can really see how this is a missing piece that allows us to tie these other really excellent standards together in a way to actually deliver on the promise of open education. Yeah. So that's why it's a game changer. Very, very interesting stuff. And where we're at today is the, uh, the uh, we've been working for about a year on the standard and the software behind it with a number of parties. Uh, we've just submitted it to IMS Global a couple weeks ago for a version 1.0, and uh, that's something that they've accepted. So, you know, we've handed off the, uh, we're in the process, I should say, of handing off uh, stewardship of the standard to them and working with a number of our partners. We're doing major implementations currently in Europe, uh, in the Middle East, and in California. And so quite a bit of traction around the standard. People, as soon as they see it, they get it. They have that aha moment. Because badges by themselves are mildly interesting, but badges with pathways really shows the potential of portable credentials in a way that people really didn't see before because you didn't really have anything to do with the badge, really, you know, pushing on a string is the way I like to describe it. So people are now pulling on that string. We have a number of very large initiatives happening around the world uh, based on it. So I would expect to hear quite a bit more about it in uh, 2018. Great. 
And so, you know, you, you've described Open Pathways as kind of filling a gap that this, there was this, this missing um, piece and that this really helps make Open Badges much more meaningful. I mean, is part of what um, revealed this gap is just the, the growth in the, the number of badges? I mean, I, I saw a presentation that you did where you kind of did a brief history around Open Badges. And I think you noted that back in 2014, there were maybe uh, an estimated 1 million badges kind of out in the wild. And then in 2017, an estimated 10 million out there. So is it just, is part of what, what caused the the need for pathways, just the sheer growth in, in, in the number of badges? I would say that's a factor. Um, But I would say there are, there are other tools other than pathways that will allow us to actually determine the relative value of badges, which I think is what you're getting at. So certainly, you know, currently we estimate there's about 14 million badges. Mm. So you're seeing quite a huge uptake in the number of badges that are being created in the world. But really more than needing to sequence them, you need to sort them so that you know which ones are valuable and which ones aren't. Mm. And so we're actually working on a badge search engine tool, which does exactly that. We've come up with an algorithm which is analogous to Google's PageRank. We call it BadgeRank. We're actually using that to rank badges on a number of different criteria, and we're working on uh, you know, integrations with Credential Engine, a number of other initiatives around this topic. But the idea is to sort through the noise. In the same way that Google can show you what information is relevant when you type in a keyword, we're trying to do the same thing with credentials. And that is a direct result of the growth, I would say, explosion in credentials. There are just so many out there, which matter. Right, And there's a lot of different ways to answer that question. But we've actually been working on the spec, and one of the main things that we wrote into Open Badges 2.0 is the notion of endorsement. Mm. And we put endorsement into the spec because one of the key signals of the value of a badge is if other people find it valuable. So is a, a MOOC from MIT valuable because it has MIT's logo on the badge? Or is a you know a, a spot more valuable from a small online or you know a small state school even if it's offered online if it's uh, you know more endorsed by you know peer organizations or if it actually has outcomes we can track which is something we haven't really gotten to yet which is the ability of using the combined standards to actually track progress through pathways and do predictive analysis based on that. But you have a number of questions to solve around, uh, you know, rank, and uh, one of the key key ways to do that is with endorsements, and then also looking at the outcomes of pathways. And with those two things combined, we can actually not only describe the relative uh, value of a badge related to each, to another badge, but also describe comprehensively in a data structure where that falls into the ecosystem of badges. So, does this get badge get somebody a job? Well, you know, clearly that badge is more valuable than one that doesn't. So probably a long-winded way of saying, yes, the growth of digital badges has led to the creation of open pathways, but there are a number of other technologies that are probably put on the list before pathways specifically, and badge rank is, is the first one that I think it's, it's worth noting. Okay, great. Yeah, and, and I like that you spelled out, right, that there's both the question of sequence and then the question of, of sorting, and, and, and then, right, this uh, addition of endorsement makes a lot of sense about, which which is sort of a proxy, at least for now, around that the um the the impact of having that credential um that's great you got it you got it so endorsement works for now outcomes will work later where we can actually talk about measurable learning outcomes related to a credential at which point the issuer of the credential or even whether that credential is accredited become less important signals 
because if a non-accredited credential is more successful at getting people jobs, mm. and that's the standard we're using to measure the success of a credential in that context, well, then accreditation doesn't really matter. Mm. And so I see us moving into a post-accreditation world where we actually have enough data on a peer-to-peer basis with credentials to sort them. In the same way we sort web pages without a central authority, we can sort credentials. Hmm. That's fascinating. I like that. It sounds sort of like it's the post-apocalyptic world. It's the (laughs) Um, (laughs) post-accreditation world. So, you know, I I think people are probably beginning to get a a feel for it um, about open pathways from what we're talking about and, and but what I'd like to do is dig in a little bit more because I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with open badges at, at this point, and they can kind of imagine the own their own use cases use cases around you know using a badge to support um, a credential or you know micro credential or something they've already been offering or something that they're adding. Um, and I know that there are associations out there offering open badges. Um, and but what I'm trying to what I want to help our listeners do is really think through what um, open pathways might mean for for them. And so, you know, what could this look like in the context of an association or another business and lifelong learning? You know, they, they're offering some education. Maybe they're beginning to then offer open badges. Then, So, you know, how do they make use of open pathways? Do you have any examples or ideas that you could share? Indeed, indeed. I I recently gave a presentation which is available on YouTube where I cover in detail a number of use cases. I would invite those who are curious about the the detail to to go there and look at that. Obviously, reach out to me as well if you have specific questions. Well, great. I'll make sure to get... uh, In general, I would... I'll just say, I'll make sure to get that link from you and we'll make sure to put that in the show notes so that folks can find the the link to, to YouTube. But I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, please. No worries. So, um, you know, the thing to keep in mind about credentials is that not every single open badge has to be a resume-worthy achievement. Mm. So that's the first thing I would say to keep in mind for a trade association is that you don't necessarily have to think of everything as this, you know, monster accomplishment. So one of the key use cases that we've come up with is issuing digital badges based on people scanning a QR code at an event. Right? So there's no rigor behind that. There's no assessment. Most people would say that it, in an educational context, has little value. However, you can actually, by taking these and putting them onto pathways, you can actually track a user as they are doing things in the real world in a technique that we call blended learning. Right? So you can actually tie the learning that happens offline with the learning that happens online in a meaningful way with pathways. So did somebody go to an event? Did they learn a particular technique? And not just can you record a video of them doing the technique, but, you know, where are they at a given place at a given time? You can stack those credentials together with credentials that you're offering with whatever system you may currently be using. You can take those, sequence them on pathways, and use those to build greater descriptions of the learning accomplishments of your members. So you can actually tie things that happen at your events together with things that happen in online learning platforms together with other types of things, maybe inputs from other systems, and use all of that to create these multifaceted pathways through which your members can go. And you can use that to work with content provided by other parties. And it's a a way of thinking about credentials that doesn't mean that they all necessarily have to be, you know, the equivalent of a degree. So I would say, you know, don't, don't think that badges only have to be used in that way. We're not afraid of these small, trivial badges because we can sort badges. 
right? So it's useful to have as much information about a learner as possible. And so that's a key use case. You know, think about badges as these small things that stack up through pathways to larger things. And then think about, do you want information about how your badge is used? So that's a key value of Open Pathways is that we can actually talk about outcomes. If you issue a credential to a learner, is it more interesting that that learner shared it on LinkedIn? Or is it more interesting that that credential got somebody a job or it got them into grad school? Because by looking at Open Pathways, we can actually look at the outcomes as users traverse these pathways. And we can do this in a distributed way because it's an open standard. So we can actually report back to you on the outcomes for the holders of your credential. Mm. And that's something that's currently just not possible, right? You don't have any way of knowing what happens when you give somebody a credential, off they go. Right. right? Do they share it to LinkedIn? This is why people want to see, oh, how many views did I get? How many shares did I get? But that's really not the data that people want. Right? They just want something that indicates it, and that's really the best that the ecosystem has come up with. So what Pathways gives to associations and other organizations like that is not just the ability to create these multifaceted stacks using credentials from any source, but also the ability to track your individual credentials and how those are used in the world. What are the outcomes? Did people endorse them? Things like that, which are the real data that people are going for with these, these sorts of uh, credentials. It's, you know, the main reason that organizations like that issue them in the first place. So here's another use case. You could actually create a competency framework as an association that describes how credentials relate to each other. You could have, for example, Walmart issuing credential A and Best Buy issuing credential B, and you may have no way of knowing if those credentials relate to each other at all. But if they're part of the same association, then you can actually build a competency framework that describes how those things relate to each other and use that to build these frameworks together with your partners. Open Pathways then provides the ability to send users through those and to measure their outcomes and actually create credentials that span industries. So you could actually have a credential that was built out of that Walmart credential that also included that Best Buy credential that included two or three credentials from your trade association as well. So it creates this ability to create these frameworks so that you can actually think about how credentials are useful to member organizations. Well, and you know, what you're talking about uh, for me brings to mind uh, what's being talked about a, a lot in in our world, which is the, the skills gap and the, the workforce development needs that exist and, and how many associations are looking to potentially partner with others, whether that's uh, an employer or uh, an academic institution, and it, it seems to me that then Open Pathways could be sort of this technical backbone that that supports that partnership. You know, where um, you know some someone is learning this piece from the association, this piece from an academic institution, this piece with their employer, but it all it. Le- leads to this this wonderful uh, shared goal and, and end there. Well, and a meaningful micro credential, I would say. You know, that's where it starts to take take on real meaning because, you know, we have identified a skills gap in this country at least. And, you know, that's something that we need to address. We're actually working in California on that exact problem. Mm. So if you look at the presentation that I, that I pointed to, I can show you a use case of that. Great. That's great. And so, uh, you know, so far we've been talking about open badges and open pathways and, and all of that. But as you mentioned at the outset, you've been very, uh, focused on and immersed in, um, Ed tech for a long time, and so I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to pick up and, and speak more broadly if you would like, although of course you can still uh, you can 
still answer this question by talking about open badges and open pathways if you like. But, uh, you know, I just want to ask what's going on in learning these days that, that most excites you? Yeah, great question. I would say, you know, two things really stand out at me, uh, you know, as an answer to that question. Uh, you know, the first of which is the Guided Pathways Initiative. Uh, you know, we do a lot of work with the community colleges in California, and it definitely ties into open badges and open pathways. But just the notion that we can provide more meta structure to the student experience in a way that helps them understand and gives them agency is really exciting for me. And so we're doing quite a bit of work in that space, and it's something that is uh, you know, really interesting to me from just a research perspective. And the second item is really co-remediation. You know, we've, we've seen research recently that shows that the value of remediation is pretty much nil, at least in a community college, college setting. So if you need somebody to come in and they have to take a remedial math course, by the t- time they're done with it, their outcomes are not measurably different than somebody that didn't take it at all. Clearly, that's not the way to remediate our students. And so this notion of uh, co-remediation, like can you assess somebody and in real time give them a directed learning activity that will help them master that sort of in parallel with the normal work they're doing is really exciting stuff. And we're doing some work in that space as well, uh, primarily in Europe. But uh, something that I start to see more happening here in the U.S. as, as schools are learning that, you know, you can't just rely on remediation sort of outside of the curriculum. You really have to take what I think of as more of a project-based learning style of approach to it. So we can actually show people how they use the skills in context and remediate right there in context. And I think that's a great innovation, and we'll see a lot more of that in education. Yeah, that sounds great, right? Makes uh, really drives home the point of why this needs to be uh, learned uh, to the learner so the learner can see that value in covering that. Exactly. And so next to last question, and this is one we're asking uh, now of everyone we interview, and, and it simply is, I would love to hear one of the most powerful learning experiences you've been involved with as a, an adult since finishing your, your formal education. Oh, so many ways to answer that question. <laughs> Let's see. Um, okay, I can give you an example. So Concentric Sky is an engineering company. Uh, we tend to aim at only the highest levels of, of talent. We don't generally bring on a lot of junior people. We also don't do internships as a general rule. But uh, we were contacted a couple of years ago by a 14-year-old who wrote us a really beautiful letter and asked for an interview. And we weren't seriously considering hiring this individual. But given the strength of the letter, we decided to do an interview. We thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll help this, this young person understand what it's like to interview at a company. And so we brought this person in. He, you know, he brought his dad. It was very cute. And, um, you know, he did such a great job in the interview. We were just blown away. So we actually created an internship for him. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with how challenging it is to employ somebody under 15 years of age, but uh, there's quite a few hoops to jump through (laughs) to do that in compliance. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we did all of that. We created an internship for this individual just based on the strength of that outreach. So this individual worked with us for about four years during summers and when he wasn't at school and then went off to MIT. And so for me, it was something that was just really, really personal, right? You know, we actually were so impressed by this individual that we created this learning opportunity for him in a way that we never would have thought of doing 
just by itself. You know, if he hadn't reached out to us, if he hadn't done such a great job with the letter and the interview and also just making it work while he was here, we never would have bent over backwards to create this sort of learning opportunity for somebody. But we just saw the potential and we were inspired. And based on that, you know, we had this really amazing experience together. And I like to think, you know, changed this learner's life in a really positive way. That's a very cool example. Sounds like uh, that uh, person was really sort of the uh, a paragon of the the self motivated learner. Um, reached absolutely. out, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, final question: If listeners want to to know more about uh, Open Badges, Open Pathways, about you, about your work, where would you have folks go? Yeah, you know, we've been around for a long time. We are eminently Googleable. Um, you know, Wikipedia, there's a pretty good article there that sort of pulls together a lot of references for various things that we've done over the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years or so. Um, you know, our website's great. Uh, for the context of open badges and open pathways, I would again refer listeners to the uh, the presentation that I gave that's available on YouTube. And, uh, you know, based on that, if they have questions or whatnot, feel free to reach out. I love talking about this stuff. Well, great. Thank you so much for your time, Wayne. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Salisa. That wraps up our interview with Wayne Skipper. To get show notes for this episode, including the link to the free white paper, Exploring the Fringe, Flipping, Micro-Credentials, and MOOCs, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 107. While you're there, you'll see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of the podcast, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We would also be grateful if you take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. That'll get you to the right place. And we'd really appreciate hearing that you're getting value out of the podcast. And those reviews also make it easier for other people to find the podcast and know what it has to offer. We also hope you might consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick another social network of your preference and spread the good word that way. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. <laughs>